Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Come on down. Silver 7s on a Thursday. John the Cabbie just checked in. Remember, he was the guy who came up with, I think, what should have been the logo for the Vegas hockey team. <laughs> the Reapers. The Vegas yeah. Reapers. Grim was the mascot. It was a great mascot. Uh, John also invented a whole new fantasy football season or fantasy football game. Uh, actually, not computerized. All handwritten. It was necessary because, you know, fantasy football is complicated. So you got to. He tried to simplify it. Complicated. Hey, try, oh, he tried to make it more complicated. Uh, John the Cabby, awesome guy. Love him. He's great. Uh, Robert was here last week. Robert was hanging out, completely taking advantage of the happy hour. Two seventy-seven at Silver Sevens between three and six on beers, shots, margaritas. Asked for well drinks too. Uh, Robert, I, this is the information I got out of Robert because you know how I, I'm very probing. Um, actually, he told me all of this on his own. <laughs> he. First of all, he's a Jersey guy. Robert, the listener. Okay. Uh, grew up in Seaside. All right. Pump the fist. Shore store. Did he yeah. work there? Shore store. Um, no. Did he hang out at Jenkinson's? Uh, that's in Point Pleasant. Okay. But that's okay. Um, he bought in the chalet right by Naked City Pizza in the Grove. You know, that's that kind of long apartment complex that... that Part of it is on uh, Paradise, but it goes all the way on to, you know, UNLV. Yeah, and yeah. Kinda, so he bought in there. He told me in 96 for 30000 So he's got a place in there. I don't know that they trip. sold, though. I thought it was all. Yeah, he, bought, he bought in the chalet. Huh? So I know that well. And um, then he told me that his his father had his business stolen by baseball writer Peter Pascarelli. Really? I'm just like, okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Got to make sure. But that was it. Yeah, we had a good conversation. He was he was flying. I mean, we love our listeners. Having a good time. I, we love our listeners. We have some quirky dudes. Some, uh, some lovely women. I, there was a uh, I won't. There was a woman who came down uh, a couple of months ago who was talking about uh, you know being a big fan of the show, and she's been in Vegas for twenty plus years, and um, she had uh, dated for a long time uh, a pretty well known bookmaker. I'm not doing rhymes with. Come on. Where did this person work? The bookmaker. Um, I'll do rhymes with. Heike Bloberts. She had nothing but good things, good things to say about him. So okay. come on down. Take advantage of happy hour. This is the place. Flamingo in paradise. It's not, you know, $17 drafts and $54 buckets. You come down here. You get your drink on. Good machines. Great place. They keep improving. Silver 7s with renovation after renovation. It is the spot at Flamingo and Paradise. All right, Big Five time. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Right, here we go with these former presidents. Bracket is out. All the number one seeds in the final four. Really, Don Obama? <laughs> I don't care what you think about Obama and DJT. You have to shred Obama for this. All four for number picks? one seeds. Come on. 
It's well, like he does this every year. He does. You're not president anymore. There's not. There's no popularity contest. You don't have to win an election. Pick some upsets. Well, it's not for a popularity. Yes, it's, it is. That's not. That's a feeling I get. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, I think it's ridiculous because I think if you're, well, it's not though. So, I don't do it when I'm in contests. Like if I'm in a bracket contest and I'm in a bunch of them, obviously, I would never pick all four number one seeds to advance. First of all, because if it does. You're still not probably going to win because that's what everybody does. So you got to differentiate differentiate yourself by taking a bunch of teams that aren't number one seeds. But if you really are picking the best teams in every region, you're going to come up with the one seeds in the final four. Now I don't I I would like if you're going to make this public to you know take a take a shot. Like I know you know if uh, if anybody has seen the special section that uh, we put out today at the RJ uh, that was like way too many words from me so i'm sorry if you had to read it but um i had to pick a winner in every region and you know i wanted to pick gonzaga in their region but like i said i that's too easy it's too simple so i I tried to find a way to pick somebody else but if you're really picking who you think is the best team you're probably going to come up with the number one seeds info on the number one seeds the percentage play is to pick one or two to go because that's happened in 28 of the past 35 tournaments all this is off the top of my head just bang 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 Uh, three seeds made it in 2015, but that's the only time it's occurred since 2000. Four number one seeds. Huh. You, you can't pick four. You can no. barely pick three. Yeah, I think I think two is the right one. Two is the right number. Now that said, ten of the past thirteen champs have been top seeds. Yeah, and I, I think I do think that as wide open as I think the tournament is as a whole. I do think it's pretty likely that a one seed wins it. I just hope it's not Baylor or Gonzaga. Number four. Golden Knights do it again. Massive comeback at home. They are just they're they are rough in the third period. And here's a great thing. They're what, twenty six and one now. Twenty six and one. Do I have the right amount of ties? Whatever they're called. Um, twenty six and one. San Jose, I think it's what, eleven, thirteen and three, something like that. San Jose's not good. The rivalry still exists though. Were they, throw, were they freaking ready to throw hands last night? Well, I don't – I mean, you know, we talked last week and, and when Stormer is on about how maybe the rivalry doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, but I think you're right. After last night, we're going to see more and more uh, because there was – one was an altercation, I guess you would say. It was – everybody was kind of mixed up, but it was a lot of just kind of grabbing and dancing around. And then later on, uh, there was two just all-out fights uh, that happened out there in – um, really weird after the game, Pete DeBoer talked about how it seemed more like April Fool's Day than St. Patrick's Day because you've got you know guys like Jonathan Marcheseau fighting, Mark Stone fighting, Ryan Reeves scoring the goal. Like that's not really their formula for how you would uh, how you would approach it. But um, you know I think it's everybody getting involved. And Ryan Reeves said, "Hey, you know Mark Stone being the captain and, and the leader of the team and going out and fighting and trying to defend his guys." Uh, that that's inspirational, and and the same goes for uh, you know Jonathan Marchessault, a guy that really never fights, even though he's always talking. He seems like a guy that should be fighting a lot, but he really never fights. And he went out there and fought. And so those things kind of tend to fire up your teams a little bit. Number three. Well, it worked. Uh, Review Journal candidate list last night. There's been some new names thrown into the mix, like Mike Woodson. Which I uh, come on. Uh, the list yesterday, though. Rick Pitino. Oh, boy. <laughs> Steve Lavin, Porter Moser, 
Kevin Kruger, and Conzo Martin. That's a weird one. I was talking to Soren Petro during our uh, podcast last night. Soren covers Mizzou and K-State and Kansas, and he was talking about Conzo Martin popping up on the list, and there may be a reason why because he seems to have a new job every three or four seasons, and a lot of it has to do with you know getting out while the, the getting is good. And he uh, There's some interesting stuff in his contract. Conzo Martin started at Tennessee, was about to be run out, got his team to the Sweet 16, and left, right? And Tennessee didn't want him, went to Cal, had one tournament at Cal, left to go to Missouri. This is the first job he's had two tournament appearances at. And now he knows he's got four seniors in his top, like, six-minute guys. His top six-minute guys are four seniors and two juniors. And he's got a recruiting class of, like, six or seven guys coming in not one of them's in the top 100. So you're going to you're going to move off of a lot of guys. They're not going to the tournament next year. So he's got to parlay this. He did just get an extra year uh like Missouri had to had to do this contract that was so bad to where to get him he was guaranteed years. If he made the tournament that added another year on and making the tournament again just added another year on. So he can't be fired before May 1 of 22. And on May 1 of 22, it's $6 million buyout. And that $6 million buyout holds until May 1 of 23. So really, he just locked himself into 21-22, 22-23, and then I don't think Mizzou, like if you wait till May 1 to fire a guy, all the good candidates are gone. So it's really three years. And then after that three years, it's $3 million to buy him out. But what he's looking for is, okay, I'll jump and I'll get, I'll restart the shot clock and I get two or three years to rebuild them. You know, let's see what I can get. Let's see what kind of number I can get. I'm not going to say Missouri's going to run him out on rails. That That's not it. Right, right. But they're, they're kind of like, okay, the recruiting hasn't been what they thought it would be. There's no Jalen Brown. Yeah. Right? They haven't, they haven't landed that guy. You know, they got the Porter twin, Porter brothers. Because they hired his, their dad. Right. Tillman came with them, who was a top 25 guy and, you know, has been there four years. So he clearly didn't live up to the billing. Uh, but he's playing well this year. You know, they, 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 they would not, they'd be like, okay, we're out from under that contract. Let's go hire a guy. So that'd be interesting. I mean, he seems to fit the bill because he is a good guy besides hiring recruits coaches or recruits dads as coaches, which everybody does. I don't see any problem with that. It's part of the game. It is part of the game, right? Uh, Conzo Martin has been at three stops and most of the times, well, Missouri State as well, but uh, Cal and Tennessee and Missouri, and every time it's been three or four years. Come on, is he really under consideration? I know DRF has some connections to Tennessee. We we see what this is, right? He's As Petro often says, coaches like to move around a lot and start the clock over again on their survival and their salary. Yeah, and, and it's – not necessarily about renegotiating because you heard the terms of the contract there, but it's it's putting yourself in a better position. The more the more jobs you're mentioned about, the more times your name comes up, the the better it is for you and your career. And even if it's not this job, it's something else, or it's you know it, it's whether it's a better conditions at your school in terms of your money, your assistance money, your recruiting budget, all those sorts of things uh, that you're trying to get, or uh, trying to leverage yourself to a different position somewhere else. Your name being connected to a job is always good. And so there's some people that always figure out a way, and usually it's you know through their intermediaries or their agent or somebody connected to them that is kind of spreading the word uh, on them around different jobs. And whether they're connected to it or not, whether you interview them or not, 
Like, just having your name mentioned is good enough sometimes. Number two. It's official. It came out this morning. It was reported, you know, two and a half days ago. Uh, we were on it back on February 15th. TJ Altsberger is gone. He's off to Iowa State. What's his legacy for you? The helicopter. Okay. He arrived on a helicopter. It was a great moment. Um, Beat San Diego State when they were unbeaten. That's a pretty good moment in UNLV history. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the more – really the legacy is, you know, what could have been in terms of, you know, he was building something we thought. He had coming next year one of the best recruit, the best recruiting class since Dave Rice left. Maybe one of the best that Dave Rice would have had too. I mean, it was an un- unbelievable recruiting class that fell apart. Uh, based on you know one horrific tragic moment, but he had it coming. Uh, he had the recruits locked in, and then never got to see it to fruition because of that accident and of getting hired at Iowa State. Let's go to number one, Ari. Number one. Raiders have made a lot of moves on the offensive line, including Nick Martin today, Denzel Good. Is back. Incognito official? Well, he made it official. Okay. That's right. He did actually put that out there. So they've changed up the offensive line. Anything close to what they've had? Is it good enough? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, um, you mean, is the offensive line or is the team good? The offensive line. We have to find out. I mean, I'm hedging and hawing on it because I'm like, we don't know. Um you know, as far as improving the team, I think, you know, as of today, they're probably the same team they were last week, which is not good enough. But you don't know what they're going to do between here and the start of the season. So there's still a lot of pieces to be put in place. But, you know, they got a bit younger. They do have some experience and some vets, but got a little bit younger on the offensive line and really, really invested on the defensive line. So they are investing at the line of scrimmage. They're just kind of redistributing the assets a little bit in terms of where they are, but it's clear that they want to build from the inside out, which is the proper way to build an organization. Up next, we're going to get into the spending on the defensive line, and we're about 10 minutes away from checking in with a, a guy who I would assume is disappointed. He's a UNLV guy through and through. Curtis Terry will join Cofield and Company. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. So the defensive line for the Raiders, they added a lot of pieces. Um, they signed in Gawkway to upwards of uh, 13 a year. And then uh, the rest of the guys, guys who are returning, some additions, all in that like 3 to $5 million range. So what do you think about the group now? I think you've got to be – more encouraged by what they have now than they did going into the offseason, for sure. So Hankins back and then uh, Quentin Jefferson yesterday. Jefferson, who can generate some pass rush from uh, the middle of the defensive line. Uh, He's done that fairly consistently over the last couple of years. So, I mean, that's a nice addition. You're you're adding guys that have played at a pretty high level uh, and that I think can still be effective. And, And we know that one of the things that Gus Bradley, you know, said when he came here and was tasked with taking over the defense is you've got to get a pass rush for his defense to work. You've got to be able to, to control the line of scrimmage, get to the quarterback uh, from all spots on the defensive line. So uh, that's what they're doing. They're solidifying that part of their game. Obviously the interior help 
with some of the run game because we know uh, what we've talked about with Ngakwe and Max Crosby, uh, one of the returning guys, are not particularly strong against the run. So you solidify the middle of the defense and then uh, add some depth pieces on the outside as well for guys that uh, will also help not only get to the get to the passer but also to, to help set the edge on, on first and second down. So uh, I, I like the units that they have kind of assembled on the defensive line. That may have come at the expense of the offensive line and had to ship some guys out, but uh, I, think, I think you kind of balance out those two spots. In terms of money available, I'm going to reference Marcus Mariota. If, after seeing Andy Dalton, Fitzy, Tyrod Taylor all sign deals with you know different bases, but deals that could push past like $10 million, I don't think I'm taking a pay cut from the Raiders down to three. No, but I think it'll be very interesting to see what he does because I'm sure, even though they're really not allowed to allow to, his agent has talked to teams and understands what the market is for Marcus Mariota. And uh, if they believe it's higher than that, then they will turn turn down the the request for the Raiders to, to take a pay cut down to $3 million. And if they think that that's equal to or better than what they'll get elsewhere, then they'll take that deal. So you'll see a lot of what the market is and where they believe the market is based on whether they accept this decision or not. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Every Thursday, we get a chance to talk to the former running Rebel. He's one of the voices on radio of the Rebel basketball program. It's Curtis Terry. These circumstances are a bit different. A little deja vu here, Curtis, as uh, we're getting ready to talk again about another UNLV basketball coaching search. Uh, first of all, your reaction, mad, sad, disappointed that T.J. Altsberger is leaving to go to Iowa State after just two years here. From a personal standpoint for the program, disappointed because I, I still think TJ was the right guy. I think TJ was going to bring a lot of positives to this program. I think he showed that last year, and he had a plan in place. And I think he's the right kind of coach with the right kind of energy and the right mindset to turn around the program and get him back on the right track. And I think he did that even though in the, in the two years that he was here, it wasn't huge steps. Last year was a huge step. This year, COVID impacted it, but I still think it was positives. Uh, but also happy for him on the other side, him and his family. I think it's great anytime you get to get a promotion you know, or move up the ladder. I have no problem with that. Uh, congratulations to TJ and his family. I hope and wish nothing but the best for them in Ames, unless they play the Run Rebels, of course. <laughs> but uh, it's just a tough time. And, I, and we talked about this is, I think, almost two years to the day when we, me and you were having the same conversation with Adam down at the Golden Nugget right when the NCAA tournament was starting about what Desiree was going to do uh, last time around. And now we're here again. So hopefully we don't have to have this conversation again in two years. <laughs> what do you say to people who are mad at TJ and also people who are like, hey, he failed in two years? I don't know what you could be mad at him for because anybody in any position, you talk about Chris Beard, like his dream job came along. You can't be mad that he left more money, dream job closer to home where you spend a lot of time, where you've got a lot of family and friends. Anybody that says they wouldn't do it, I think they're, they're lying straight to your face because let's be real, I would do the same thing. Like if, if I was somewhere else in UNLV or something in Vegas came calling, I'd come back. Um, I think anybody would do that. And everybody earns the right to do that and make those decisions and choices. So I don't think you can be mad at him. And to say that he failed, how do you? I don't know how you describe that he failed. I think last year everybody was very happy. They finished second in the league. They beat the number four team in the country, San Diego State. Uh, they outperformed, I think, from people's expectations. And then this year, 
we've it's been on the record and, and noted of what they had to go through with having a young roster with six freshmen and 11 new faces. And to say that he failed, I mean, based on the record, there's a lot of teams that failed across the country then. I mean, are you going to say that, that Coach K failed, uh, uh, that Calipari failed, that all these other guys failed? No, they just had a tough season. And it's not what they expected based on how they constructed their roster, how they go about business. And so that impacted them. And now I think his overall record, I think it was like 29 and 30. Um, yeah, it's it's 500. But I mean, to me and a lot, I think to a lot of people, this season doesn't you can't carry a lot of weight to it because there were so many factors that went into it that impacted how they went about things and preparing for it. And I think if they would have had a full offseason, full fall, been able to take that four and tour, I think that record would have been different and they would have been on the positive side of 500 and people would be having a different outlook on it. But so I don't think you can you can say he failed um, from that standpoint. It's official, official. It came out this morning from both schools that T.J. Altsberger is moving on after just two seasons here at UNLV. He's going to Iowa State. Uh, we started talking about this on the air back in February, around February 15th, because uh, both Adam Hill and I had heard whispers. Do you have any information to suggest that uh, this was in the works, you know, two, three weeks ago? And if so, does that disappoint you about T.J. Altsberger that he was, you know, negotiating his next stop before the job was even done this year? I don't have any information that it was in the works weeks ago. I think, and I think this is fair to say that everybody thought at some point that TJ was going to end up to being the Iowa state head coach. Now, whether that was uh, when he left right out of South Dakota state, uh, whether that was coming out of, if they, I mean, if they would have fired Steve prom last year, I think he might've, it might've been last year that he went back Wow. or if it was, if they would have kept him, uh, it maybe would have been, you know what I mean? Next year. Um, because I think that that was always in the plans. And I, like I said, I think that me personally, I think that's TJ's dream job, right? I mean, he spent what, eight, nine years there, helped them build, build them into a powerhouse. He's brought in numerous guys that went on to play in the NBA, had a lot of success there under McDermott, under Fred Hoiberg. Um, obviously the connection that his wife had there as she was a star basketball player there, went on to play in the WNBA. I mean, that's where they grew up in a sense that were where he cut his teeth on coaching um, and had a lot of success and earned his stripes. So I think it was just a matter of time before it happened. And I think probably more than anybody that TJ's, going to feel disappointed that he did not get to finish what he started here, uh, just like he did at South Dakota State, because he was invested in the community. He wanted to have success here at UNLV. He said that numerous times, and I believe he was genuine when he said that. But again, when something comes calling that you've kind of been waiting for, and that's like the one thing that would pull you out, I mean, it, the timing's never going to be perfect for anybody, but this was his opportunity. So if he passes on that, will that ever come around? Probably not, based on the timing. So I, I'm not mad at him. I think it's just it was a matter of time. Um, and unfortunately, it was for UNLV right now, just because we don't have that stability that the program has always lacked. You know, when these things happen, we start going a thousand miles an hour. We talk about the coach leaving. Then we start talking about the new coaches, uh, potentially who could come here. And we rarely talk about the players. Um, how do you think the players feel right now? And especially guys like potentially Jong, if he came back, poor Marvin Coleman, who has earned the trust of two different head coaches. Now he's dealing with, you know, uh, injuries to both legs. I wonder how the players feel because TJ Otzelberger was asking a lot of those players and then he turns around. And he's like, yeah, sorry guys. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's the tough part. And I think that's always the, the tough, the toughest part about college athletics is when the coaches always get that free pass and get to leave right away. And the players have to stay and are kind of penalized if they do decide to leave with, I mean, having to sit out when they transfer. Now, obviously, this year, it looks and seems like that may change with the NCAA passing the legislation on allowing guys a one-time free, one free transfer. Uh, so I think that'll ease um, some concerns just from these guys' particular standpoint. But I feel for, for Bryce Hamilton, for Marvin, for Mbake, because these are guys that play. This is going to be their third coach. 
I mean, this is going to be their third coach that they've had at UNLV. And I can only imagine how tough it is making transition to having a second coach. But now you're going to have a third coach. Uh, That's just tough. And it's a third coach. And you're at one school. You've had three coaches at one school. Not that you transferred um, (laughs) or had two coaches at one school and then went to another school in terms of a transfer. So I think from that standpoint, it's going to be tough. But I think those three guys are guys that they've experienced it before and they know how to be successful in those situations. And they showed that. I think the toughest thing is going to be for those freshmen, those guys that came in and expected to be here with TJ um, and his staff that recruited them and they started to feel comfortable with. And they especially grew and create a tight bond together going through the season that was affected by COVID because there was so much trust, so much off the court that they had to connect and be compatible on to be able to get through this time. So I think it's going to be toughest for the freshmen. And we talk about that transition, adapting toughest for them because of the season. But then now when you say their coach is yanked away and this is the type of season that they had and moving forward is still unknown. I feel, I feel the most for those freshmen. Will any of the players stay, especially if this drags out for three weeks? I think the I think the chances of guys staying is the longer this goes the, is the least the least likely guys stay, just because of uncertainty. And with people starting to put their name in the portal, the the longer it takes to get a coach, the less likely these guys are going to stay because they don't know who their coach is going to be. But then they're also going to feel like they're possibly missing out on opportunities that are are out there now. But in three weeks, they're not going to be out there as guys start to make these commitments to go to these other places, and especially with not being able to take visits. I think guys are going to be a lot more quickly to accept those offers when they're in the transfer portal, because if you don't, somebody else is going to do it because it's not like you can wait for visits because there aren't going to be any. Talking to UNLV basketball in transition again, my Lord, uh, Curtis Terry, who played for the program announces for the program is on Cofield and company. So gut feeling. What do you, what do you think happens this time? Last time the school and Desiree Reed Francois did have a prolonged route to get to a coach. Is it quicker this time, and I guess my question is back to that. Hey, we heard whispers a month ago. I would have to assume the brass at UNLV was prepared and had a list ready to go. So this shouldn't take that long. Am I crazy? No, I don't think that's crazy. I think from the standpoint of having Desiree and and her staff and her leadership at UNLV having gone through this two years ago, I think they probably got a lot of intel, a lot of information, and able to do their homework on a lot of different prospective candidates and prospective head coaches to take over here. And so I think you still got all that information and maybe you just updated some of it. Uh, I think for the fact that you're, if, if you didn't think ahead and say, Hey, there's whispers, this may happen. And knowing going into it, that that's kind of his dream job. And and based on the season that Iowa state was having, that this could be a possibility and become a reality. If you weren't starting to at least jot down a short list, you're crazy. And I, again, I, th- I give Desiree more credit. I think she's much smarter than that. I think that she's ha- maybe always had a short list, just that rainy day. What in case your rainy day fund? What if a pandemic hits? Do you got anything in savings? <laughs> I think we've all kind of learned that lesson to be prepared now after what's happened over the last year. And so I think that she's she's been had a short list just in case because you never know. Don't want to be caught uh, with, with your tail between your legs. And so I think from that standpoint, she's kind of been prepared to, I mean, what if? And so I think that's kind of why uh, this thing may move a little quicker than opposed to the last one. Would you rather have a young up-and-comer like TJ was, or do you want to go with a guy who's a little more grizzled, maybe second or third stop? Uh, for me personally, I'd, I I still think that you need someone that's young, that's energetic, that's up-and-coming, that, that has the motivation and the desire to be successful as opposed to someone that's their second, third stop, or who's been out of coaching for a while and trying to come back. I just don't see, see them having the motivation to put their all into it 
especially in this town, into a team that's kind of rebuilding or trying to you know, I mean, regain its footing underneath them. I don't see an older coach um, or a coach on a second, third stop having that kind of gumption to be able to do those things. I still think you need a younger coach, but I still also think you need a coach that wants to be here and kind of sees this as their dream job or has some kind of connection to this being home as opposed to somebody who, you mean, not nothing against TJ, but like TJ, for example, who I mean was a Midwest guy who came from South Dakota State, but you always knew kind of that that was out there in terms of wanting to get back to that bigger conference, but also getting back to that dream job in terms of Iowa State. You need to have find someone who's who sees this as the as the top of the mountain for them. The uh, initial list that we've seen locally in the newspaper includes a, a five name list: Rick Pitino, Conzo Martin, Steve Lavin. Kevin Kruger's on the list. We'll get to Kevin individually. And then Porter Moser, who's at Loyola. What do you think of that list? Uh, it's a good list, right? <laughs> it's, it's just that. It's a, it's a, it's talk, a list. It's a good talk radio list. Yeah, for sure. And I know you guys ran down a bunch of names yesterday. Uh, and shout out to Jet, Jason Terry being on that list. Hey, yes, we could yeah. throw his hat in the mix. I know he'd love to come here. He's already called me about it. So sure. <laughs> if Desiree's listening. Uh but I, I think it's a good list. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys on there that I would be for. I would be against personally, but I think it's all about finding the right situation. Um, but I mean, just a couple of those off top, just you know I mean from what's out there. I mean, it's reported that Rick Pitino's got a ten million dollar buyout at Iona. Ten million dollars. Let's be real. In the course of a pandemic, if the school is able to scrap together ten million dollars, I think you should keep it and put it into the budget, as opposed to throwing it to Iona so they can get richer and then you can come pay a coach and then have to pay a salary also. I just think it's crazy talking that kind of money. Um, when you look at Conzo Martin, I mean, I think he's a good coach. He's obviously had success. His team's in the tournament this year, so I don't know why he'd kind of leave that situation to come to UNLV and try to rebuild it, even though you've got to tie to Desiree. But let's be real, I think he's got a $3 million buyout, and he's making, what, I think almost $3 million this year. So that, that doesn't just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Steve Lavin, I think he's had success, but obviously he's, I think this is his, what, sixth year now out of coaching since he left uh, St. John's. So again, there's a little disconnection there. Um, and, and who else did you mention on that list? Uh, last two were uh, Kruger, Moser, Patino. Uh, I mentioned Conzo Martin and uh, Lavin. You covered them. Yeah. And then, I mean, Moser, I think, again, I think that's a guy's, he's, he's getting paid handsomely from what he did when he took that group to the final four a few years back. I think for him to leave, I think ultimately there would kind of be that draw to go to like say Notre Dame opened up or, you know what I mean? Something right. um, in, in the big 10 or the big 12. Uh, I think there's always going to be that draw, especially for a guy that's been in that area, that region for so long. And then when you talk about Kevin Kruger, obviously I'm a big fan of Kevin. Uh, he, he comes from his dad's coaching tree. Um, and I think there's people are going to try to point out a lot of negatives to about Kevin, but I think there's a lot of positives and a lot of good things that fit what UNLV needs right now. Um, and that being stability. And I think that's, that's where you start in terms of being able to keep this group together with having guys that are going to look to transfer. You keep, you keep Kevin here or someone on staff that's going to keep some of these guys in tow and keep them here as opposed to having to completely rebuild. Cause if you go get a new coach, I think you run the risk of losing a lot of these guys and having to hit a hard reset. And that's going to take two years to, to kind of get back to some sort of, of upwards trajectory. Uh, and I think Kevin, I think Kevin's the kind of guy that this is his dream job. People say he played Arizona State, but yeah, but his time at Arizona State, his mom and dad lived here in Vegas because his dad was coaching UNLV. He would come here in the summer. Like Kevin's always bounced around in terms of when his dad was coaching when he was younger. So I don't think they have like a real home true connection for him. But I think Vegas is that is that spot. And, and Kevin lived here when he got done playing. Um, and I think Kevin and his wife love this area. I think they love Vegas, the good weather. And I, I see this being TJ's. 
TJ's dream job is Iowa State. I think Kevin's dream job is, is UNLV. I think Kevin would be a guy that would come here that has a lot of passion for the program, wants to see them succeed. And I think the season was probably toughest on him because of what he knows that it can be and what they weren't able to accomplish. And I think he's the kind of guy um, that would put his foot down and make sure things got back on the right direction uh, from that standpoint. And I think he has a lot of respect with the players and a lot of players respect him. He's well known in the coaching rounds as, as coming that's going to be up and coming. So you want to let someone like that leave and then someone else snatch him up and then you're going to have like, dang it, we should have got it when we had a chance. Um, and it, it goes to show with what you do with the first year coach, like you get Lindy LaRock in here and the great things that she did with the Lady Rebels uh, coming from Stanford and saying that she has no head coaching experience. But I always hate when people say, like, you don't have experience. That's why you're not going to get this job or you can't be a head coach. Well, mm-hmm. hell, somebody's got to give you that experience, give you that first time opportunity um, to show you that you can do it. And Kevin's been an assistant coach for seven years, two years at NAU under Jack Murphy, three years at Oklahoma under his dad, two years here at UNLV under, uh, under TJ Otzelberger. So, I mean, you're talking seven years. He's been uh, an assistant coach at the Division One level, um, had a lot of success there as well. Went to the NCAA tournament here at UNLV, played professionally been around uh, knows the game at the highest level. So I think uh, it, it, if anything, Kevin deserves a long, hard look and he's here. And I think that he would get a lot of support, not just from the, from the former players, uh, but from the people in the community, from the boosters. Um, and again, I think you also, you can lean on having the fact that he's got his dad on speed down his back pocket to kind of walk him through or navigate him through any situations that may come up. Um, and then again, you talk about that the Krugers just bought a, another home in Southern Highlands. So at some point they're going to be coming back um, and it'll be just a short drive or a short jog over to, to, to Lon's house to, for him to be able to kind of get some, in, some advice. And then you'd have, I mean, Lon kind of in the background, at least coming to games and, and doing his best to kind of promote the program moving forward. So I think it deserves at least a long, hard look and, and nothing short of at least an interview from that standpoint. We're talking about the loss of TJ Otzelberger. It was official official this morning as both schools announced it. He's off to Iowa State. Now we're looking ahead to potential candidates for the job. I got about a minute left here. Curtis Terry's with us. So one final message. Um, I see, you know, when coaches leave, especially like this, UNLV fans are you know, really down in the dumps. They've seen a you know, revolving door at the coach, um, at the coaching position. It's been eight years now since the NCAA tournament. Do you have a final message for folks about why this is a good job, why this can work here, or do you want to throw it out there like, hey, temper your expectations. It's a really tough job. I just I wonder what your message is to so many fans who are like, this sucks. We're never going to win again. I think it starts with how you define success and what are your expectations. I think UNLV is a great job. I think it's a job where you can have a lot of success. I think that's been proven. Coach Kruger proved that in the past. Um, I mean, as well as Coach Jerry Tarkanian and what he did here and kind of built this program initially. But I think it's it's what do you define as success and what do you see the running Rebels being able to achieve realistically year in and year out? I think some people have, I mean, pipe dreams in terms of what they think that can happen with this program. Me personally, I think this is a program that you should be able to compete, be in the top three of the Mountain West Conference every year, being in, in contention to win a conference tournament, regular season conference championship. I think you should be a program that should be able to be in the tournament three out of five years. Um, I think you should be able to be a tournament that can make a run and be a team that can make a run in the NCAA tournament two out of five years in terms of being able to put those pieces together. You've got a group that's juniors and seniors and you make that sweet 16 run, maybe get to the lead eight. And you know I mean, who knows when things put together um, and you have the right chemistry, but I think that should be able to happen two out of five years being in the tournament three out of five years. And I think that's great success. And that's the kind of success that Coach Kruger had here um, back from 2004 to 2011. Coach Rice was able to, to maintain that for, for a period of time. But I think that's success. But I think people are a little unrealistic if they think that we should win in the national championship every year and be in contention to do that every year um, and, and be top five, top ten. Uh, that's I don't think that's realistic just based on the resources and the type of other, I mean, blue chip, blue collar, I mean, blue chip 
programs that are out there across the country um, that are the prestige ones in terms of college basketball. Now, if you'd say that we're pushing top 25, top 30 every year in the tournament three out of five years, I think that's a lot of success. Um, And I think that's realistic, but that comes with building a program and having guys that are going to be here three, four years, have a guy that registers every year, get some transfers that come in, some grad transfers, but being able to build that foundation um, because that's what it takes to succeed year in and year out and be able to, to elevate that as opposed to, you know I mean? Five-star recruits, blue chips flash in a pan. You can't just, you can't maintain and sustain that type of success. Curtis, we got a couple of crazy weeks on the way around UNLV basketball. Stay strong, man. Stay strong. Oh, we will. It's been a rough, it's been a rough start of the week so far, but hopefully this thing doesn't drag out too far. But then at least we got uh, the NCAA tournament back this year to kind of keep our, keep our attention off of that. Today's spot with Curtis Terry is brought to you by Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. You know, the home values around Las Vegas are at all-time highs. Interest rates still very, very low. That means it's time to launch into action. Get that mortgage tuned up at Nova Home Loans in less than 30 minutes. The awesome folks at Nova Home Loans will tell you how much your house has appreciated. You may have tens of thousands of dollars in equity in the house. You can take it out to improve your house. If you need money to make up for the last year in the pandemic, do it. It's going to take just minutes. You're going to find out where you are in terms of your rate and your payment with your house. So call Nova Home Loans right now, 877-700-6682. Easy to remember, 877-700-NOVA. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter Podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Watch all the NCAA tournament action right here at Silver 7. You got a William Hill Sportsbook. The opposite end of the property. We're at the Corona Cantina down by the Silver and Gold Bar. You can bet on the games, open the app. That's the easiest way to do it. Adam was doing some in-play wagering a little earlier. Got another game, uh, actually one game underway right now, and then the last game of the night is coming up at 6.57. Another play-in tilt. Michigan State now two and a half at William Hill over UCLA. Total is 134. You got a lean on that one? I mean, I, I like everyone else in the world, like Michigan State, I think you have to bet UCLA at this point. Um, I know I did a... A spot yesterday. Uh oh, arms getting sore. I did a spot yesterday, and uh, it was a, a betting show. And they said, "Hey, every guest we've had on this entire week, every single one, has picked Michigan State. What are you going to do?" And I was like, "Well, I like Michigan State too, but that's scary because the line's not moving. Like you would ordinarily, when everyone is on the same side, you would expect the line to make a significant move. It hasn't, so that's a little bit worrisome." I think if people are thinking of UCLA as like traditional UCLA and they're like, oh, you know, scoring team, West Coast. It's a bit Cronin. Well, they, like, don't, they like, don't defend, though. All right. I don't – but I don't think their offense is going to get locked down because it's, you know, a more aggressive style. Yeah. You know well, I, mean? I, don't think I don't think they're going to get bullied. It has to be because that's – you know, I I, uh, well, I was making the point the other day about it's just not a, it's not a Mick Cronin team – because they don't defend. And so they have to be a different style team. They can't usually, you know, Cincinnati, oh, my goodness. Um, Cincinnati days, it would be, you know, they could win 61, you know, 59 kind of games. Like, this team has to score a little bit because they can't really defend at that kind of level. So it's a, it is a completely different team than you'd, you'd normally see from Mick Cronin. Stick your hand in there, Dave. A very important list 
for UNLV candidates. I know the uh, the RJ had its five coming out of the gates yesterday. Uh, we look to the north. We're always concerned about what Reno thinks UNLV should do. Of course, always. Uh, Nevada Sportsnet, well, Northern Nevada Sportsnet. Uh, here's the list from the Reno folks for UNLV. Rick Pitino, Porter Moser, Archie Miller, Conzo Martin, Ben Howland. All right, let's do it. Joe Pasternak, Dennis Gates, Tommy Lloyd on the Gonzaga staff, Russell Turner, UC Irvine, Lorenzo Romar, Stacey Ogman, Tim Miles, Todd Simon. Good to see Todd Simon on the list. Uh, I think Dennis Gates has a good chance of getting the Minnesota job, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but that's a that's a pretty decent list. I know I I can assure you Ben Howland's going to be floated out there. I can assure you his people are already reaching out to everyone that'll listen that he wants the job. Yeah, I saw a few on this list. I saw a few uh, hashtag stick to Reno. <laughs> stick your hand in there, Dave. One of the more odd things that came out of Des Moines. And the guy said it, but Des Moines Radio was talking. We talked to Ken Miller earlier in the show who does radio in Des Moines, and uh, Otzelberger's going to Iowa State, Ames, and, and Des Moines pretty close to each other. One of the, the weirdest things that came out of the, uh, the Jamie Pollard comments where they officially announced Otzelberger's the guy was this bite where he was giving credit to DRF, and then I, I, I think this is interesting, was talking about UNLV potentially extending Otzelberger. I also want to thank... Desiree, the athletics director at UNLV, she handled this very professionally. I know she didn't want to lose TJ. She did everything in her power to keep TJ at UNLV, including offering an extension late last night. But in the end, TJ and Allison really, really want to come home to Ames and be Cyclones again. It's, uh, an extension? It's, inter- it's, it's an interesting little nugget to come out of that press conference. What do you think would have happened today if it was announced that uh, TJ has been extended another two years beyond his original five-year deal? I think it would have been very interesting oh to find out. I, mean, I, I think a lot of people would be like, why? It uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then, oh, he got played again would be kind of the the commentary. I, I, I just, listen, if it did happen, I think it was knowing that it was already a done deal anyway. Uh, I it sounds to me listening to the bite that uh, the AD you know, Pollard was like, hey, let me let me give her credit for doing everything she could. You know, I don't know that he knew that he was creating a firestorm by putting that out there, but I think potentially people would be fired up to know that that happened. Tomorrow we uh, move over to the Westgate for the uh, big first round of the tournament. So join us down there inside of Superbook Sports. John Von Toll will be along tonight. We've got our legal podcast going down at nine o'clock. Law and Sporter, and uh, congrats to the NFL, man. This league is dying, and somehow they just went from $5.9 billion each year in TV revenue to over $10 billion a year.